Well, good afternoon, friends, and welcome to this full moon meditation meeting from the Lucis Trust in New York. It's very good to have you here, and it's good to be working together. Today, we're meeting an hour earlier than we usually meet on a weekend, because the moon will be full in just over 45 minutes from now at 2.48. And for the next two full moons, you might like to make a note that we will be meeting at 1.30 p.m., that's in Eastern Daylight Time, so that we can join a global broadcast from the Lucis Trust in London. And together as a global group in the English language, we'll work together with the WESAC and the Christ Festivals. So that's at 1.30 p.m. for the next two full moons. The full moon is a time when the lighted qualities of a particular constellation flowing through the living being that is the sun charge every unit of life on the planet, seen and unseen. From our perspective, the most notable result of this is that these energy flows condition and qualify the evolution and maturing of human consciousness. The whole process of the working out of the destined future for the human kingdom, including the transformation of our creativity as a species, is understood from the perspective of the wisdom teachings to be powered by the rhythmic radiation of energies pouring into humanity during the period of the full moon. These energies qualified by the constellations of the zodiac flow through Shambhala and the central spiritual sun through the hierarchy of lighted beings, saints, masters, and rishis of the higher worlds, and they pour into the subtle fields of human thought, planning, and emotions. And what is equally important is that they are accompanied by a concentrated, invocative cry from the spiritually oriented people of the world. The door between the spiritual kingdom and the human kingdom is wide open at the full moon. And we're gathered here right now in this Zoom call and in the alignment built by all the meditators from around the world who are in this work, we're gathered to work with the energies that flow through that open door. The annual rhythm of the 12 full moons in a year rises to its peak during the three interlinked festivals of Aries, Taurus, and Gemini. Said in the Alice Bailey teachings, to mark the beginning of the new spiritual year and the high point of the 12-month cycle. So here we are in 2021 in the first of the three spiritual festivals, ready to inaugurate a fresh round of labor with a goal of assisting humanity in its passage towards an Aquarian culture and civilization. Many of us are familiar with the exercise of seeking to hold a point of tension for the five days of the full moon every month, a point of spiritual tension. And once a year, we're called upon by the teachings to extend this point of tension over a two month period, covering three full moons. <coughs> Excuse me. It's no coincidence that this occurs during the time when spring is in the air in the Northern Hemisphere. And the Northern Hemisphere is where almost 90% of the world's people live. Just as seeds are germinating, sap is rising and leaves are sprouting, as birds are nesting and animals of all varieties are being born, 
so too do many human beings experience a fresh approach to life and a new surge of will and creativity in spring. And Aries signifies beginnings, the start of a new cycle of spiritual impulses flow and fresh ideas are planted in the mind to take root and grow. The keynote that we'll work with in meditation is I come forth and from the plane of mind, I rule. Let's pause and take a breath as we contemplate the awesome fiery path that we and our fellow human beings are walking upon at this moment in history. Large numbers are oblivious to the fact that we are individually and as nations, peoples and as species on a path of spiritual development. Most don't see that we're collectively heading towards a destined future, approaching an alpha and omega point of turning and reorientation. Yet while the vast majority may be unaware that there is a spiritual meaning to our time, there's nothing new about this ignorance of what's happening spiritually, at least in the modern world. But what is new is that there are today ever increasing numbers, probably more than at any time in recent centuries, of people who do share a recognition that we are at a critical time, facing hugely significant possibilities for a major turning point in the ideas and thinking that condition our understandings of the worlds of spirit and soul and mind and heart. Intelligent thinkers, scientists and philosophers are reassessing the relationship between soul and personality and beginning to recognize the reality of the subtle causal energy bodies that underlie the outer form. This turning in our understanding of what is real is transforming approaches to every area of life and relationship, psychology, religion, science, ecology, and economics. Prophecies from different spiritual and esoteric traditions including the ancient teachings of some indigenous communities, suggest that we are in process of passing into an era which will be characterized by a widely sensed spirit of the wholeness of life and consciousness, and by a new intelligent awareness of the existence of spiritual realms within us and within all life. So as we pause, we might consider the community of those who recognize that the pandemic-laden experience of this time, of this year, is part of a bigger process that is preparing human consciousness for an initiatory leap into a new era. Can we take a moment to sit in the presence of the deep silence permeating the heart of God at this special moment as we approach the actual time of the Easter full moon, 2.48. We can imagine the spiritual hierarchy with the world's teacher, the Christ, at its center, standing perfectly poised. And in the Father's house, 
the central spiritual sun of Shambhala, behind the disk of golden light, we might sense an intensity of focused, quiet, peaceful, and above all, radiant, energetic will. We will have a moment of silence and follow this with the sounding together of the Gayatri. O thou who givest sustenance to the universe, from whom all things proceed, to whom all things return. Unveil to us the face of the true spiritual sun, hidden by a disk of golden light, that we may know the truth and do our whole duty as we journey to thy sacred feet. In the light of this Aries full moon, <coughs> excuse me, we have a chance to glimpse the way in which forces of light are throwing down challenges to the mind and heart of the human. From the plane of mind, a new understanding and science of wholeness is emerging. And out of this understanding, we will learn anew how to rule our presence in the world and how to claim our sacred sovereignty. There is a fieriness to the energies released through Aries, a fieriness that can burn away ancient prejudices and habits of thought. Burning inevitably brings hurt, pain, and suffering. Death is involved at some level. And in a pandemic, such as we've all been experiencing, death tends to be very much on our collective mind, forcing those of us who are ready to confront the instinctive human fear of death. I can only imagine that others like me are continually coming across articles, broadcasts, and videos discussing the nature, meaning, and significance of death and, death and grief, or from different perspectives, and all aimed to help people deal with this most ancient of archetypal fears. COVID has brought fresh impulse to the vast wave of programs helping people to understand death the countless community-based death cafes, the workshops and discussion groups pioneered by hospices, the new medical disciplines around end-of-life care, the dedicated professionals helping people to grow spiritually through their experience of grief and through their encounter with death. The universal perspective of the ancient wisdom in almost all spiritual traditions, offers the clear understanding that the pain accompanying figurative death is the pain that comes as ignorance 
and the core taint of selfishness inherited from previous lives are in process of being burnt away. And painful though it may be, this is a necessary part of spiritual growth, and it is a sign of the maturing of the psyche, a necessary stage in the resurrection of an inner life. We are at a critical time in our history where the soul and spirit must be at least sensed and recognized as an element of reality and a part of our nature. And this must happen before the next turn on the road ahead can be taken. And the renewed focus on death is one of the signs that this is happening. The fiery nature of the first ray margin energies of Aries help to make it possible for increasing numbers of free thinking, alert and intelligent men and women to see and be excited by the human possibilities that arise when we begin to think and see from the universal perspective of the soul. Moving past quick slogans and mantras of oneness to recognize something of the essential wholeness underlying all outer appearances of separation and division. In March and April of 1945, leading up to Easter and the beginning of the three festivals, the Tibetan delivered two highly significant messages that seem especially pertinent for us now as we approach the coming months after enduring a year of pandemic with its accompanying disease, death, social distancing, lockdowns and enormous economic distress and social disruption. Both 1945 messages are published in the book, The Externalization of the Hierarchy. The first delivered in March is titled The Cycle of Conferences and the second given on Easter day, April 1st as an Easter message. These two um, messages begin on page 445 of the book, Externalization of the Hierarchy. There are two comments I wanted to make about the timing of these 1945 messages and what this might have to tell us about our current situation. First, a very practical note about the full moon calendar. This year, the full moon in Aries occurs on the same day as it did in 1945, March the 28th. And in both years, the following full moon Waisak takes place in April, a month earlier than the traditional observation of Waisak by Buddhists in many parts of the world. So at the United Nations, for example, Vesak will be observed this year on the May full moon, May 26th, and we will be observing the Christ festival. Part of the dynamics of the three spiritual festivals as presented by DK is that they occur at peak times in the ceremonial and prayer life of humanity, symbolized by the Christian Easter and the Buddhist Vesak. Esotericists are advised to have in mind the substantial ground of aspiration and prayer and inner focus that is to be found in the mind and heart of humanity during the period <coughs> of these two major religious festivals. But in 1945, DK made it clear that his students were to observe Waisak during the Taurus full moon in April, even though most Buddhists will be observing it a month later in Gemini. And the same thing will happen again this year. 
One way of making sense of all this is to consider the period of the three festivals as a whole, stretching from Aries to Gemini. And during this entire period, humanity's religious life is at a peak with a wide range of spring festivals uniting believers in the various faiths, including the Christian Easter, the Islamic Ramadan, the Hindu Holi, the Jewish Passover, and the innumerable local religious and cultural festivals marking the coming of spring. These spring festivals include the Equinox Festival, now honored by the United Nations as the International Day of Nodals, and celebrated for thousands of years by over 300 million people from Iran and throughout the Balkans, Caucasus and elsewhere, all marking the coming of the light and the coming of a new day. Like most religious festivals, all of the spring observances and the different traditions tend to be the object for deeper thought amongst a minority of observers. While for the majority, the focus is on outer rituals and more often than not, joyful celebration, and in fact, wild partying. With this in mind, we can approach the three festivals, each with a distinct note, as one extended period of group spiritual attentiveness, all at different levels. Imagining, if you like, the whole group of esoteric meditators as being spiritually at attention and standing as a poised bridge between the new group of world servers and that community of wise enlightened beings on the inner side of life. The spirit of aspiration and faith emanating from vast numbers of religious people during all the spring festivals are brought into a stronger mental focus by the more enlightened and intuitive thinkers at the heart of each religion. And then esoteric meditators lift all this aspiration and lighted thought, lifting it up to a point of concentrated invocation to the forces of light. The second point I wanted to make about the spring 1945 messages from the Tibetan is that they were delivered at a time when an exhausted and traumatized humanity was preparing and planning for the post-war era. Just as today, the world is preparing for a period of post-COVID rebuilding. As the UN Secretary General stated in his message this year for March 21st, this year he said, the Nowruz spirit is more vital than ever. As the world comes together to defeat COVID-19, Nowruz serves as an inspiration to recover and rebuild in a more just and durable way in harmony with nature. And so as we enter the beginning of a new spiritual year, we can look with fresh eyes at these two 1945 messages and consider what they might have to say about the opportunities and future possibilities of our time. What this spring, these spring energies mean for human evolution. The first of the 1945 pieces deals with world events and the planning for a post-war world. While the vast population of the nations of the world were dreaming of a coming period of tranquility, the more thoughtful and intelligent people of every nation shared a determination and what decays recall refers to as a massed intent to build a post-war world 
of freedom and peace. Disciples recognized that the time called for a massive sacrifice of selfishness. And in this environment, as political leaders began to meet to plan the future world, the hierarchy was described as acting to strengthen the hands of their workers in every field of human activity so that they may take right action and correctly influence human thinking, to quote. An enlightening first-rate force poured through key thinkers in government and national legislatures, affecting what D.K. writes or what refers to as the potency of their words, the wisdom of their planning, and the breadth of their thinking. The goal at the time was to offset the selfishness of the lesser minds in national legislatures, and where possible, to bring the international conferences planning the post-war world, quote, under the direct guidance of those in the council chamber of Shambhala, who know what is the will of God. This focus came, as the Tibetan reminds us, with some risk, for the clash of minds so central to political life was also intensified by the overshadowing. Divine energy produced results compatible with the quality and the intention of the minds impacted. When goodwill is present, and the motives concern the good of the whole, these qualities are strengthened by the incoming energies. And likewise, where the focus is on individual and national advantage on competition over others, these qualities will also be strengthened. For DK and the hierarchy, the key need in 1945 was to strengthen political activity, aiming to benefit the good of humanity as a whole. DK comments that the San Francisco conference when the charter of the UN was agreed, held during the period of the Taurus Waysack full moon in 1945, was under the direct influence of the hierarchy, he says. And this created a tremendous emotional and mental potency, requiring aspirants and disciples to throw the weight of their spiritual development and the light of their souls on the side of the forces which are attempting to plan for the good of humanity and who regard the welfare of the whole as of greater importance than any national situation or demand. One of the key points that stands out for me in the message as we read it today is the Tibetans' recognition that the conferences planning the post-war world would continue for some time. And this has certainly been the case. Those who participate in the cycle of conferences visualization work, projecting a seed of living will energy into the heart of the thought form under construction at major international conferences of our time, will be very much aware of these energies as they are flowing now. The import for me of this March 1945 message, however, is to envisage all the national and international post-coronavirus reconstruction plans that will hopefully soon get underway as marking something of a culmination of the post-war 1945 plans. Sobered by the trauma of the coronavirus and other hazards, including the climate extremes of recent years, there is now, as we move into the Northern Spring, a fresh opportunity 
to rebuild relations between nations in line with the vision of a sustainable, resilient, and equitable, equitable future. Although it doesn't refer to the breadth of post-coronavirus plans under consideration at the various UN councils, a historical review just published in the blog World Goodwill at the UN outlines the way in which the vision for human development has matured at the UN since the 1970s and 80s. And it provides evidence of the spirit of the cycle of conferences at work in our modern world. The article demonstrates how even though the effects of COVID, COVID will likely push significant numbers into extreme poverty, the sustainable development goals developed and refined through the ongoing cycle of international conferences, negotiations and popular consultations involving millions of people has successfully established a set of norms reflecting the four freedoms that inspired the 1945 planning. This article, The Audacity of Change, a specific example of how the UN can still make a difference, notes that the goals remain a globally accepted set of aspirations that can guide countries to a sustainable, equitable future, even in the pandemic and in the recovery. The article is reprinted from uh, website passblue.com. So as we enter into the alignment of this Easter festival, we might imagine the energies of Aries pouring into and through the people of goodwill and the units, networks, and groups making up the new group of world servers, bringing a pulse of will energy into their work and leading to a working out of the true spirit of goodwill and sharing that will transform every area of life. The second 1945 message delivered on Easter day, just after the Aries full moon, relates the theme of the earlier message to the twin themes of resurrection and restoration. The restoration theme is especially interesting because it suggested that these are the energies needed before the more practical work of reconstruction can begin. The Great Invocation released in June 1945 calls for a flow of higher energies of light and love and power to restore the plan on Earth. And after the devastating years of the war, the hierarchy envisaged that the greatest and most urgent need was to restore morale and psychological health, a wholesome and happier approach to life all very reminiscent of the spring energies with a popular sense of hope for the future. And here it is that I think 1945 can speak so powerfully to us now in 2021, particularly as we stand before the year 2025 when a hierarchical conclave is to occur. DK speaks in this 1945 Easter message of a great planned period of reconstruction following the war, but it is to be preceded by a healing, uplifting, 
refreshing flow of life. Perhaps even we could say finding expression in the post-war baby boom. And one result, just as in 1945, these healing energies flowed to restore the spirit of the human. Today, we might expect a similar pouring in of fresh spring energies. Some of us have a tendency to look at the ideas at the heart of governance, economics, and international relations for the signs of reconstruction at work. But it's essential to recognize that the deeper and more fundamental transformation envisaged by hierarchy involved a resurrection of humanity through the medium of its intelligentsias and men and women of goodwill. And if there is one thing we need to ponder today as we enter into the alignment of the Aries full moon, it is this thought that restoration and resurrection of the spirit in the human and in all forms and all kingdoms is the objective of the entire evolutionary process. For humanity, we're reminded, this resurrection involves liberation from materialism and selfishness. And the meaning of Easter is to be found here, working within the rhythm of the meditation outline, letting in the light, we can hold this thought. At a time when plans are beginning to be laid for the post-coronavirus reconstruction of economies, lifestyles, relationships, and even the way we use new technologies to plan conferences and envision what is possible in response to the challenges of our increasing interdependence. Let us throw the weight of our group focus on the side of the goodwill that already exists in abundance in the world and that has revealed itself countless, countless, countless times in the sacrificial actions taken by people throughout this coronavirus period. And in the light of Aries, with its fiery sense of will and purpose, can we recognize the quiet, peaceful will finding expression in every goodwill initiative in the world? So, friends, now we will work together with the Fullman approach to the hierarchy, the meditation letting in the light. The actual full moon occurs at 2.48. We will be approaching the latter stage of the meditation and just before we sound the great invocation. He who faces the light and stands within its radiance is blinded to the issues of the world of men. He passes on the lighted way to the great center of absorption. But he who feels the urge to pass that way, it loves his brother on the darkened path, revolves upon the pedestal of light and turns the other way. He faces towards the dark and then the seven points of light within himself transmit 
the outward streaming light. And lo, the face of those upon the darkened way receives that light. For them, the way is not so dark. Behind the warriors, twixt the light and dark, blazes the light of hierarchy. Fusion. We affirm the fact of group fusion and integration within the heart center of the group of world servers, mediating between hierarchy and humanity. I am one with my group brothers, and all that I have is theirs. May the love which is in my soul pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them. Alignment. We project a line of lighted energy towards the spiritual hierarchy of the planet, the planetary heart, the great ashram of Sanat Kumara, with the Christ at the heart of hierarchy. We extend the line of light towards Shambhala, the center where the will of God is known.
the higher interlude. Hold the contemplative mind open to the extraplanetary energies streaming into Shambhala and radiated through hierarchy. Using the creative imagination, endeavor to see the three planetary centers, Shambhala, hierarchy, humanity, gradually coming into alignment and interplay. Meditation, the seed thought for Aries. I come forth and from the plane of mind I rule.
precipitation. Visualize the energies of light, love, and the will to good pouring throughout the planet and becoming anchored on earth and prepared physical plane centers through which the plan can manifest. Use the sixfold progression of divine love as the sequence of energy precipitation. Shambhala, hierarchy, the Christ, the new group of world servants, people of goodwill everywhere in the world, physical centers of distribution. the lower interlude. Refocus the consciousness as a group within the periphery of the great ashram. And together with all those people around the world who are working with this alignment, sound the affirmation. In the center of all love, I stand. From that center, I, the soul, will outward move. From that center, I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group, and throughout the world. Visualize the downpouring spiritual inflow released from Shambhala through the hierarchy streaming into humanity through the prepared channel and consider how these impouring energies are establishing the pathway of light for the coming world teacher, the Christ.
And just before we distribute and sound the great invocation, just hold a moment of silence for the hour of the full moon. Distribution. As we sound the great invocation, visualize the outpouring of light and love and power from the spiritual hierarchy through the five planetary inlets of London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo irradiating the consciousness of the whole human race. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of men. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love, within the heart of God. Let love stream forth into the hearts of men. May Christ return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of men, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center, which we call the race of men, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Oh. Oh.
Thank you, friends. Thank you for that work. The coming meetings, the next New Moon Meditation meeting will be on April the 12th, from New York, April the 12th at 6 p.m. And the Waysac Festival, the next full moon meeting will be on April the 26th, that's a Monday, and at the different time of 1.30 p.m. And the Arcane School Conference, the 2021 conference, the first stage in the conference broadcast from New York, will take place on April 24th and 25th. The public sessions are from 2 to 4.30 on the, those two days, the Saturday and Sunday. You can see more information um, from the website. And the moon charts and meeting schedules are all available on the, moon on the website. Thank you, friends. Muchas gracias. And may all be well. Thank you. <laughs>